guys, it's Jenny. And this is Alexa. And we're back after a very long hiatus with another edition of Checked Out. Uh, for 2019, we're going to do something a little bit different. We are picking a different genre every month, um, and we're going to encourage you to do the same to expand your reading horizons a little bit this year. And we're going to be joined by Northside staff members Brian. Hello, everyone. And April. Hi, everybody. And for January, we're going to be talking about thrillers. I want to have a sound effect of Michael Jackson opening. <laughs> we'll get a copyright strike immediately. So, first things first, guys. I want to talk about what's the difference between a thriller and a mystery. Okay. Well, the big difference is that all all mysteries are mysteries. Some of them can be thrillers. So some thrillers are mysteries, but not all thrillers are mysteries. It's just about that feeling of being on the edge of your seat the entire way through the story. It's like you get to the end of a chapter, and you're still on a cliff, and you're, you can't stop reading because you, you don't have that resolution. Whereas some mysteries don't really have that kind of fast-paced beat, so you can put them down. So thrillers are a little different. They're like the page turners. They are the page turners. They're the ones that you stay up till three in the morning because right. you have to finish. Well, there are cozy mysteries, but are there cozy thrillers? Uh, no. <laughs> I can't think of. Not that I can think of. I don't no. think that typically cozy mysteries tend to be fast-paced right, stories. Right, right. They're not really. usually thrillers. Those cozy mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> and this is gonna be this is gonna be interesting. I'm sort of like the grandma of the group when it comes to to stuff. I don't like to read stuff that's too scary or too violent. If there is a, a mystery that takes place like in a knitting shop and someone gets strangled with like a skein of yarn. That is my jam. <laughs> so I had to dig deep on this one. So we're going to talk about our picks. We've got fiction. We've got nonfiction. We've even got some videos, uh, TV shows, and movies to talk about. So, um, yeah, let's jump into it. All right. Everybody's top fiction pick for thrillers. And maybe even more than one. What are your favorite thrillers to read? Uh, my, my favorite author is a thriller writer, Greg Isles. So like my very favorite one is called Blood Memory. And it is that fast-paced, you never know what's happening. It's this really dynamic character named Kat who has a you know, crisis going on left to right. She has this crazy murder in her past where her dad died mysteriously. And it's just this constant, can't stop turning the page. So I love all of his things. That one is, though, my favorite, favorite book ever. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I, where thrillers are concerned, I'd have to pick Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child series, the Pendergast series. Oh, I love those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that, uh, that the Pendergast series, they just hit on a, a fantastic character, a character who uh, seems to have one foot in the real world and one foot in the supernatural, while never entirely taking that supernatural element so far that it becomes, that it feels like a supernatural, well, I'm, some of them feel pretty supernatural. But it always gives you enough kind of yeah. evidence to be like, well, I mean, that could be real. Right, I'm willing right. to believe it. Yeah. Just a little. He's, he's, so just as a character, I think he's, he's a fantastic sort of a take on a on a Holmes or, or a Poirot, or he's, he's just a, a thrillery step beyond beyond those guys. I have a couple, and mine are kind of all over the place. One, if you are the one person on uh, who has not read Gone Girl and you haven't seen the movie and it hasn't been spoiled for you, I strongly recommend mm. Gone Girl. I feel like there are probably only about two people on the entire planet at this point <laughs> who haven't either read the book or seen the movie. But if you are one of those two people... <laughs> Brian, you haven't? <gasps> Seriously? Wow. How do, you, how do you work here? I stay somewhat ensconced within... <laughs> 
But do you know the? So do you no, know the ending? No, I don't. Ending? I don't know the twist. Okay, then wow. you need to read the book. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I, I I read it in about a day. Mm-hmm. I gave my husband the side eye for like a week yeah. after that. Like, yeah. how well do I really know you? Mm-hmm. Um, well, highly I, recommend. I will have you know that as in, in part of doing this this uh, this challenge, I'm picking out four. Four books for every month, and Gone Girl is on my list. Yeah, for good. That's the point of the challenge. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> my other favorite is um, Gone Baby Gone by Dennis Lehane, and I actually really love that movie as well. I thought um, the performances in it are really fantastic. Um, Amy Ryan's in it, and she's really great as the mom. Um, it is about a girl who goes missing. Um, and the hunt to find her. A little girl goes missing. Um, there's a twist in that one as well. I love the writing. Dennis Lehane, again, you just keep turning the pages. And like I said, the movie is really good as well. And then kind of as a slightly change of pace, there's a, a, an author who writes, not really teen, I guess we should be more young adult uh, fiction, and then some you know purely adult fiction, Megan Abbott, and she wrote a book called Dare Me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, Bring It On meets Fight Club. That's a really good way to describe it. It really is. It's about high school cheerleaders, but it does not feel like a high school novel in the slightest. Um, It's about sort of their inner world and jealousy and betrayal, and there's a murder, and it's just a really great read, and it's a fast read, and it's a lot of fun. So for me, uh, thriller is not really my genre that I typically go to, but I will say that when Gone Girl... Before the movie came out, when the book came out, and it was, like, becoming this huge phenomenon, there were, like, 100-plus holds on the book here at the library, Um, I finally got my hands on Gone Girl. I took it home. Like Jenny, I read it in probably about a day, and then I checked out Dark Places, and then I checked out Sharp (laughs) Objects, and I read all three of Gillian Flynn's novels in the span of, like, four days. Um, And let me tell you, (laughs) Gone Girl, I mean, not Gone Girl, um... Yes, Gone Girl is is probably the least dark. Yeah, in, no. Yeah, of her stuff. Sharp Objects is. Whoo, I thought Dark Places was the darkest for me. Yes, probably um, is. Dark Sharp Places. Objects, though. Dark Places was a rough <laughs> one for me. I really like Sharp Objects. Dark Places is probably my favorite. It is brutal, really intense. Um, I know there's a movie version of that one as well. Charlize Theron is yeah, uh, plays the, the main yeah. character. Um, I don't think anybody really saw it. <laughs> um, no clue if it's good. I would never actually watch that movie. It was hard <laughs> enough to read the book. Um, but when I was reading Dark Places, uh, Jenny talked about looking at her husband sideways while reading Gone Girl. Um, I finished, was in the climactic scene at the end of Dark Places. If you've read the book, you know which scene I'm talking about. My husband walked in from his shift at work in the middle of me reading that book. It was like 12, 30, 11 at night. I threw the book at his head. It was terrifying. It was the worst thing he's ever done to me. And I don't know why he wouldn't consider my emotional well-being before he walked into his own home. Agreed. It was really, really Agreed. inconsiderate of him. I mean, he should always be aware of what you're reading. Exactly. Be prepared. He should know at any time that I could be in a really fragile mental state <laughs> from a novel that I'm reading. And that's why I typically don't read thrillers. Because well, that's what it does to me. <laughs> and in fact, I'm currently reading uh, Michelle McNamara's I'll Be Gone in the Dark about mm-hmm. the Golden State Killer. Yes. Which happens to be Who Done It Murder Mysteries book for the month. So join us for Who Done It. <laughs> plug. Plug. <laughs> Shameless plug. That's our book club at Northside. It's a mystery book club that takes place on the, the last Tuesday of the month. Last Tuesday of the month. That's right. You can join us for uh, dessert and a good discussion about a different mystery novel each month. And so this month is I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Mm-hmm. And now I know that after this book was published, they captured mm-hmm. the Golden State Killer. We know who it is. But I'm reading this book, and it's, you know, he creeps into people's houses, and he just kind of is there, and people don't know it. And he'll flash 
flashlights into their eyes in the middle of the night to wake them up. And he just does things. Like, yeah. he takes jewelry or one earring just to be a jerk. And the fact that he's old and they caught him doesn't change the fact that no. it happened. And it's terrible. <laughs> and, like, I read the book and I go home and I'm like, alarm is on, alarm is on. Uh-huh. All my windows are locked. Yeah. It stays with me. Did she, now, did she help find him in the in The, the police deny that no, she did she anything. anything I think, but her constant bringing it up and talking to the people, and I think yeah. that, that, I mean, that had to help. Yeah. To, to she keep had a, them, to make them keep looking, because it ended up being a weird DNA thing. It did, yeah. It was his, he had a relative who did 23andMe, and oh, that's yeah. how they found him. No, no, it's not, it's not 23andMe. It's, oh, was it a different They had taken friends. their DNA results and put it on, like, a third-party website. Oh. So they, they could try and connect But it was because people, his relative was, did yeah, one of those, right? Because they okay. had done one, but then uploaded it to a third-party website. Got it. I 23 knew. 23andMe does not sell your DNA. Got it. Got it. Got it. I just knew that somebody had yeah. partaken in one of those. And it was like a third cousin or something. Yeah. And, that's that's terrifying. Became, and that became like the initial suspect or something, and then they realized like that couldn't be. And so well, they yeah, they, they actually had someone else in mind, and they realized he was never in the area at the time. And so then they're like, oh, well, here's this other guy who actually was in the area. It's like, oh, oh, it's this guy. And like, oh. not only that, it was like he was a cop at the time, and like they caught him like buying like. The most suspicious, like, Home Depot mm-hmm. purchase of right. that has ever been purchased. It was, like, dog repellent, dog repellent. and, like, ropes yeah. and, like, the weirdest stuff ever. And he ever. was just like, it's cool, I'm just going to quit. It's yeah, big yeah, deal. he and just quit. Just walked away. No yeah. Deal. Crazy. And terrifying. Crazy book. There's kind of an overarching, the overarching story or to to I'll Be Gone in the Dark is, is made a little bit, a little bit, a little more... Um, Interesting, I think, by the author's story. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. uh, Michelle McNamara passed away mm-hmm. uh, tragically and young. In, in the midst of in the working midst, on the book. In the midst of working on the book. And, she, was uh, the, the, she was the wife of a Canadian Pat. Patton Oswalt. Yeah. That's and right. he actually, if the story's kind of ringing, mm-hmm. yeah, if the story's kind of ringing right. the bell. And her work on it was so intense, she, she, she now you, I know you'll know this, April, so tell me if I'm wrong or, or fill the story Happily. in. But exactly, I don't know. You do, you'll do that. But she uh, she did so much close research that she ended up finding a piece of jewelry. Was it? It was cufflinks, cuff right? Mm-hmm. She tracked down a pair of cufflinks that had been stolen that had the initials R F. Right. And apparently, there aren't that many guys' names that start with R in the time period in which this would have happened. Right. So she tracked it down to a pawn shop and overnighted them to her house. For yeah. Like, 50 bucks. She's like, exactly. I have them. It's phenomenal, the I work mean, that she insane. put into it. Right. So when you think about the the, the, the intense amount of work that she put into it and uh, what, what, visit... What, what kicked this off for her? Like, what sparked this quest to track so this guy down? It w- She's always loved true crime. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she had a neighbor when yeah. she was a kid. This is like in the very was, beginning yeah, of the book. That was um, on a jog and was just drugged into an alley and had her throat slashed and mm-hmm. died. Yeah, and, and it was so, like right next like to her, like her house yeah, when she was a kid. Right next door, and so it it stayed with her. And until that point, she'd never paid any attention to mysteries or true crime. But it, but that started it. Mm-hmm. And and her mid thirties is when she started doing like a true crime blog. Mm-hmm. And and she's the one who coined things. the name the Golden State Killer. Mm-hmm. Before that, it, it was just like this yeah. kind of like You're people on, thought so maybe East, it was a different people East or area rapist yeah, slash just, original Night Stalker exactly. slash all these other people. Yeah. She wow. she put a lot of work into it, which is kind of crazy when you realize that the police like don't give her any credit at all. Mm-hmm. It's just like she she helped. Like I guess they don't want to encourage us lay people to go solving mysteries, but I will solve which? John Benet Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if somebody could, that would be that would be something. 
My my favorite nonfiction thriller is In the Garden of Beasts by Eric Larson, mm-hmm. and it is the story of the um, American ambassador to Germany right before World War II. He's this mild-mannered um, English history professor who gets sent with his family. He's got two grown-ish children, um, and at first everything's great. It's very Berlin's very pretty. Everything seems lovely. Um, they're told, you know, kind of keep an eye on on things. Um, this Hitler guy, we're not really sure about him. Uh, and then it, it just gets darker and darker. And, and the way that the book is written and the tone of the book gets darker as stuff ramps up in Germany and as activity ramps up and it ends right around uh, Kristallnacht and they have to essentially flee. Um, but his daughter for a while dates an S, a really high-ranking SS officer. He's writing these letters home to Roosevelt going, please, please, please let me come home. This is not safe for my family. Roosevelt thinks he's on the verge of a nervous breakdown and lets him just come home for like a sabbatical and then is like, no, you have to go right back. And he's like, you don't understand. This is terrifying. Um, but it's a really good look at how, um, really how Nazism got to, rose to power and, and how it got to the, the point where we were in, in the middle of a, a world war. Um, and you see that, it, of course, it's not a slow, I mean, it's not, a, it's not an overnight thing. Mm-hmm. It's a very slow um, and deliberate buildup of activities um, that lead to the horror of the Holocaust. So, But I highly recommend it if you're at all interested in history. It's a great read. Eric Larson has written a lot of wonderful books. Uh, and The Devil. I was going to say, he did Devil in the Devil White City. Devil in the White City, mm-hmm. which is um, it's a really good one. <laughs> I have another fantastic one about the world's the first World's Fair in Chicago and H.H. Uh, Holmes. H.H. Holmes. Um, but his Stop. books, they're, non, they're nonfiction, but they read like a really great thriller. So highly recommend that one as well. So on the theme of uh, nonfiction thrillers, uh, I really, really love this book. It came out a year or two ago. Um, the Fact of a Body, uh, Murder and a Memoir by Alexandria Marzano Lesnovich. I don't know if anyone else read that. I've not read. I've read pieces of it. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah it's, um, it's wonderful. Really dark, um, obviously. It's like a true crime memoir, basically. Um, <laughs> I think the subtitle is A Murder and a Memoir. Um, It is told um, in two stories simultaneously. Uh, It is the story of Alexandria, who is a grown woman and a a lawyer, and she is assisting this case of a man who uh, murdered a child, um, basically. Uh, And she also tells the story simultaneously of her own childhood, which was not ideal. Um, She was abused as a child. And so there are parallels of her own life and her own story that are reflected back at her as she's attempting to defend this man who is guilty of a lot of things that were done to her as a child. Um, She's just a beautiful writer, wonderful writer. Um, It's it's tough material, um, but it's really, really well done. Um, And the way that she frames it, making the decision to tell the two stories parallel to one another, um, really does kind of keep you on the edge of your seat, makes you want to keep reading, even though it is such challenging material to get through. Um, which I think is really what you look for when you're looking for a thriller, particularly a nonfiction thriller. You want something that will keep you guessing, keep you going, um, and keep you interested. And make you check under your bed for killers. Exactly, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's my takeaway in all of this. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> These books will make you very paranoid. If, if you don't need to watch an episode of Project Runway before you go to bed, you're not doing it right. <laughs> That's how I'm doing my life. yeah. I have the first two seasons of Project Runway on DVD. Those were the best seasons. They really are. Arguably, and you can't get them on Hulu. Right. 
Yeah, it's true. you know, I mean, I mean, you just never know what's gonna happen. Santino is really threatening in, the, in that second season. <laughs> I forgot about Santino. <laughs> Andre, where's Andre? This is not a project run my podcast, but maybe April and I could look into that. You never know. <laughs> Brian, what are your nonfiction recommendations? My nonfiction pick uh, was ended up kind of backfiring on me a little bit because in the long run, I think it's almost the opposite of a thriller. Uh, it's <laughs> Uh, it, it's the, the, the story. Brian Funk's the assignment. Yeah, exactly. The story is by Michael Finkel. It's called uh, "Stranger in the Woods," and it's it, it's a true story of so, so, uh, the individual they ended up calling the North Pond Hermit. He uh, was a burglar and a and a hermit who lived uh, in, in out in rural uh, Maine. For twenty seven years, he lived in, he lived in the woods and hid himself away. So, so well that no one found him in all that time, mm-hmm. um, and he's he s- managed to to sc- scrape together his life by 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 uh, by burglarizing all these homes around this around this lake, um, and so a good portion of the story has to do with the. Uh, the the turmoil that he caused for all the people who lived there, who uh, in some cases there were people who thought that their neighbors were the individual, because no one could bring themselves to believe that that um, that this that someone was was really had had secreted themselves away mm-hmm. like this. Um, he ultimately became kind of a boogeyman to to the folks there, and then when when he was finally when he was finally busted, when they finally when they finally caught him, they discovered that he he'd uh, created a tiny little ten by twenty um, space out in the woods, and for twenty seven years he he had lived there. If you can imagine this, they they arrested him in twenty thirteen, uh, and when they the, the 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 officer who was interviewing asked asked uh, asked him, so how long have you been out here? And he's this is twenty thirteen. He said, when did Chernobyl happen? Mm-hmm. That was 1987. Yeah. You've Since been here then, a while, right? Exactly. It's <laughs> a long and time ago. And according to him, in all that time, he had he existed out there, having never so much as lit a fire. Mm-hmm. He had a he had he cooked food for himself. All of this was on stolen equipment, mm-hmm. but he never lit a fire in all that time. Yeah. So, is it a thriller? I don't know. <laughs> I was thrilled. <laughs> it's it's a fascinating story. Right. It was really, a fascinator. Is. yeah, it? yeah. And I mean, I mean, if you're going by our our criteria that we have listed thus far, I would say that that story does keep you on the edge of your seat, and that you're just like you're so fascinated by how this guy did. One of the most amazing things to me about it is that he was found when they finally caught him, um, and they found him. He was wearing the same glasses that he'd had when he went missing. Yeah. And to me, as a glasses wearer, <laughs> right. that is like the most insane part of it kind of um i don't know how in 27 years he didn't do something yeah. to wreck those things yeah, yeah. I, that's crazy to me yeah and once you get into in, into those little details yeah. one of the things about it is that he they were never able to find him because he didn't leave any he didn't leave any trail it's amazing yeah. and they end up talking the book ends up talking about that how he had memorized it's he'd memorized the lay of the land mm-hmm. so perfectly he literally didn't leave a footprint. Yeah, it's it's mind blowing. And didn't he talk about? I 
Brian and I spoke about this a little bit before we started recording the podcast. I read the the article version of this book, but the the author of the article then went on to turn it into a full length novel. Um, but I believe he talked a little bit about how during the winter he would almost go into like a hibernation, right? How right. and that's how he credited himself able to survive yeah, in he the didn't main. Come out in the winter. Yeah. So when there was snow on the he ground, would he wouldn't come out. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie, I support that. <laughs> snow on the ground. Sounds okay. You we know, stay he, home in he our did, beds. Did not have Netflix. Yeah. It's so. true. <laughs> That's where he loses me. Right, exactly. Good plan. (laughs) Minus the burglary. Plus Netflix, I'm there too. Right, and <laughs> and that's another thing that's about meeting. that's another thing about the burglary aspect is just like the unease yeah. and the the just terror that he fostered and all of the the people like within like such a large right. radius of where he was. I mean, he went into these people's homes. He made them feel unsafe, um, just in their own space, just for. I mean, just because he didn't want to get caught, yeah. basically, and which is the most challenging part, I think, of it. And that ends up becoming kind of a Sorry. that ends up becoming kind of a strange element uh, of the story, where, wherein some of the people who live there literally left him gift bags out on their porch. Like, well, yeah. At some point, at some point, they literally started leaving. Leaving things out on the porch. Here, take this. Don't right. have it in my exactly. house. Because they, Look, they knew he was taking you know food. What? April and I eat. talked about this, right? Like, I buy good organic peanut butter. I don't want you taking my $6 jar of peanut right, butter. Now, I will leave GIF. you some GIF yeah. on the doorstep, some That's Kroger right. dollar special, and so, you can But I will hunt you down exactly. for my special nut butters. That's right. <laughs> so some of the folks here who live there seem to, I don't want to say take it in stride, but Leaving taken in stride, whereas there were other people they talked to in, in the book who said that they, I hate this man and I'll hate him forever. Yeah. Because of the peace of mind that he took from me. Exactly. I mean, when. It's hard to imagine. It, it really is. Like, when you read it and you, it's a fascinating story and, like, it's amazing that he was able to live out there for 27 years. But when you think about, like, coming home to your own house and just, like, things have been moved and something right. that you knew was there when you left is gone now, like, that's a terrifying feeling. Yep. It's so, it's just, like, completely, like, gives me the heebie-jeebies to even think about it. It's gross. Speaking <laughs> of um, articles that are great reads that will give you the heebie-jeebies, um, <laughs> a favorite of mine from uh, November of this past year, you can find it online, uh, The Cut published it. Um, it's just called The Watcher. Mm. It's about oh. a family that yeah. bought what they thought was their dream house in New Jersey. And soon after they buy the house, they start getting these really creepy letters from someone that just calls themselves The Watcher. Can I tell you the thing I hated the most about this article? Mm-hmm. There's no closure. No, no, they never found the guy. Spoiler now. <laughs> but, but, but they never know. You think you'll start, you think, like, well, you just ignore it or it's just some crazy crackpot neighbor. But they start talking about, like, their children it's, and when will you feed me the blood of your children. It's and, disturbing. And it, it's so dark and yeah. stuff that they, the watcher, they, they start trying to figure out like where this person could be that they could see all of this. And yeah, it drove the, the husband kind of crazy. Yeah, it drove the whole family kind of nuts. And they yeah. ended up, I mean, they don't they don't live there. The, the house is being sold. They yeah. can never really move in because of this threatening letters. And which which makes me wonder if it's really someone who just wanted that real estate for cheap. It's like, oh, I know how to get this house. <laughs> a real estate <laughs> Terrify agent. everyone to move out. And then it's rock bottom price. Yeah. There you go. And it was really fascinating. Like, they terrifying. went so far as to attempt to talk to the house association to get it raised to just like get mm-hmm. rid of the property completely and then split it into two separate lots but like mm-hmm. one lot would have been slightly smaller than is uh, technically allowed and so they weren't allowed to do that and just like 
all of these crazy just like reasons why no you own this house now and you just have to deal with the psychopath that yeah. came with it sorry that wants the blood of your children yeah great it's totally fine no it's awesome. your problem and then they sued the original owners because the original owners had received a letter right before they left and they were like eh whatever crazy person just threw it away yeah. and didn't tell the new owners about it um yeah it's a that is a it's a great really, story. really good article. <laughs> Horrible ending. I know. I don't like want to know who it was. Um, yeah. I like the theory that it's like a, a, a competitive real estate agent who's yeah. like, oh, can I get this listing? Um, but yeah, I, I it, it is a really fascinating look at and how the neighborhood sort of eventually like, turns on the family. Yeah. Even. And you think, well, if I were in their shoes, I'd do the exact same thing. I'd flee in the night. I mean, it's terrifying. Put in a plug real quick for longform.org. Does anyone go to that website? No. It's literally a website that just compiles long-form articles, um, which is where I read most of my articles, like The Stranger in the Woods or The Watcher. <laughs> longform.org just compiles them all. And it's, like, regularly updated with, like, just a bunch of different genres. So if you are looking for some thrilling articles like <laughs> like The Watcher, um, that's a really, really good place to, to find stuff. It's just compiled from all different... Sources, New York Times, and different articles and stuff from across the, the internet. Cool. Yeah. Well, as we get into the dark days of winter, um, the library, of course, is more than books. We do have movies and TV shows, so we're going to go around and talk about our favorite um, picks there. My favorite uh, TV show right now that falls in the thriller category, um, I don't believe the library owns a copy yet, but it is on Netflix, so, you know, steal your mom's password or whatever. Um and it is Bodyguard. And it's a BB, it was a BBC drama. It's about um, a guy who's a had been a soldier and is now a police officer, and he's coming back from a trip with his children, and he foils a terrorist plot to bomb a train uh, in England. And after that, he is assigned as the bodyguard to the home secretary, which is there's no like direct translation for what a home secretary is in the US cabinet, but it's sort of like the Department of the Interior meets Secretary of state or homeland security like it's kind of a weird position there but it's someone very high up in the cabinet and has aspirations to be prime minister and um, he has to protect this woman and it's about the, the it's, it is very much a thriller it's about terrorism in modern times and in the city um, it's also not too gory which is always kind of my there are definitely some moments where there's some intense action and there there's some shootouts but it's not over the top that's always my issue with with thrillers sometimes is that they can get really gory in, in some aspects if, if the it's a, lot, a big chase scene. Um, and then my last recommendation, and I stand by this, the internet said it was a thriller, and I'm going to go with it, National Treasure, which I find <laughs> to be one of the most underrated films of our time. Extremely thrilling. Right? <laughs> People are really hesitant to tell me books that they sort of deem as, as quote-unquote like bad or kind of like junk food fiction because they think that as a librarian I'm really judgy. People, I have read Da Vinci Code. I enjoyed the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> I saw that in theater. It's a fun beach read. Um, and I would say that the National Treasure is up there in the same category but for movies. It's fun. It's fast. It involves the Declaration of Independence. It's got Nicolas Cage. I don't know what else you need. There are maps. There are codes. Um, Angelina Jolie's dad is in it. His name escapes me right now, but John Boyd. John Boyd, yes. <laughs> Fantastic film. So much fun. They made a sequel. I need there to be a third one in the trilogy. So definitely National Treasure. But you had me at maps. 
Right. <laughs> and the great line um, where the worst dad joke of our time when Nicolas Cage says, and you know what's in the preservation room, meaning the room where they preserve America's documents, and the sidekick says, delicious jams and jellies. And I giggle every time <laughs> somebody mentions canning or preserving now to this day. Uh, okay, well, for me, my go-to thriller TV show pick is, it's a little older, uh, the show's already over, but it was Pretty Little Liars. I love that show so much, I've watched it all the way through at least three times, because there's something magical about four, really five, uh, teenage girls that are best friends, and everything is great, they have the strong friendship that you have when you're 14 and stupid. <laughs> And one night, their best friend goes missing, and it tears them apart. And so most of the story really starts like a year later. She's been missing for an entire year, and they suddenly start getting text messages from their best friend who's been missing. And so they think she's back. And it's just every episode is that it's just like a good thriller. It ends on a cliffhanger that you just need. It's like, I just need to watch one more. And all my friends who made fun of me for watching it, I'd be like, just watch the first episode. And then they were hooked because you just can't stop. It's mm -hmm. so wonderful. <laughs> I know several people, several people who think that it's they'll think it's like, oh, that's a show for teens. Then you watch one episode and you're, and you're like, this, it's like Riverdale. Yeah. Like yeah. once you start, man, you cannot stop. Yeah, Riverdale. It's yeah, a good I was gonna one. say. I really, speaking yeah, of Riverdale, speaking, speaking yeah. of Riverdale, <laughs> I, I was hesitant about it until I had watched the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Oh, so you got into it recently? Yeah, like I watched all of the Sabrina before I started watching Riverdale. Nice. But someone was like, "Oh no, that first season is about you know, it's a murder mystery, and the second season's a serial is, killer." Yeah. And like sold, mm -hmm. <laughs> and Sign me done. Up. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say um, Riverdale uh, would definitely be my pick. Um, I, haven't watched tons of TV shows and movies in the last year. Um, but Riverdale is one uh, that I'm a little bit behind on, unfortunately. But I l was super into it when it first came out. I'm a big Archie Comics nerd. Um, I know that that makes me super cool. Um, that I was into Archie Comics before Riverdale came out. Um, but I was super excited when I heard that they were turning... Um, Archie Comics into a TV show. It's done by the the showrunner is the author of um, the Afterlife with Archie comic books. Right. Mm -hmm. Not to butt in, but yeah. butting in. No, they, please do. Archie Comics have had kind of a, a revival like over the last in a few renaissance. Years. Right. It's yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it's not really like fun. The Archie of like the bazooka gum. I mean, those still days. exist for sure. Sure. Right. Um. Like the really like happy fifties. Yeah. Kind of happy days. No, I am um, a darker version of them now. I read the first volume of Afterlife with Archie, and I had to put it down. I was just like, that's too much for me. Was it, really? oh. it was. It was a lot. Um, there's a lot of zombies going on in that. Um, Chilling Adventures with Sabrina, the comic as well, is pretty dark. Um, it's also done by the same author. His name is escaping me. Um, Aguirre, I think, is his last name. Something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Archie Comics kind of going through a renaissance right now. Um, Riverdale is itself a comic series at this point. Um, the TV show is very much a thriller. The first season mm -hmm. is a delight. Yes. Um, if you like... <laughs> kind of pulpy, just, like, fun, don't have to think about it too much. Um, 
Cole Sprouse is on the show. Yeah, what which, is which, if you want to feel old, <laughs> right. um, the little boy who was in Big Daddy, yeah. he was on Friends, he mm-hmm. was Rasa's son. Um, He's Jughead. Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. <laughs> that would you know, be the one. Sitting in the late 90s, which I was. Yeah, so mm-hmm. he's, a, yep. he's a grown-up now, and he plays Jughead. He plays yep. Jughead. He's Jughead. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, um, th- that's a really great one. And I, I don't know that Chilling Adventures is rare. That would probably be cl- because oh, I'm no. more as horror um, than it is, thriller. It is, but <laughs> it, it's in that horror thriller line in the same yeah. way like the Pendergast novels. It kind of blurs. Kind of, and it's got it's got little Sally Draper who's it does. now as well. Yeah, it, but I mean, it's good. It has those funny moments that kind of light in the darkness. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Riverdale's yeah. the same way. It's very like self, it, like it knows what it is. Yeah, like Riverdale's under no like <laughs> n- under no delusions of what's going on on that Riverdale show. Riverdale reminds feels like it's in the same vein, kind of that Veronica Mars was. Yeah, it's yeah. very self aware. It's very self aware. It knows what it's doing. Yeah, yeah. Which Veronica Mars is coming back. Yes, just, I feel it. Just a plug. Didn't it already come it. back as a movie? And as a movie, it's okay. Back as a TV show. It's like well. every time I turn around, I feel like Veronica Mars is coming back. It's <laughs> like I never watched it. Did so. she ever really leave? That's a good life? question. I mean, she's on the good place now, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, if I had to pick a TV show, the one that keeps coming to mind for me, and I was glad you did one that was over and done, because this is over and done, and I feel like I feel like people might be kind of really over it. Uh, it seemed to stumble towards the end, but I recently just finished Dexter. Oh, and yeah. I, when Dexter first came out, I remember thinking that was, that was one of those shows, that was one of those stories that had, had such a great hook. You know... <laughs> a serial killer who just kills bad people, right? Yeah, exactly. That's right. Uh, some, some writers are really good at... Like Stephen King, he used to always have a hook that was seemed obvious like why hasn't somebody already done this but yeah so I recently rewatched Dexter uh, all eight seasons of it wow um, <laughs> I, I I actually ended up enjoying the the final seasons I liked I liked it it was I, I think that I think that some of the uh, some of the viewership was they were a little they were a little torn on that but I don't think I mean how many series after eight seasons end and everyone agrees that was just the right way to do it. Is John yeah. Pascal, he's in, he's in later episodes, right? He's in one season. He's in, like, the okay. middle. Yeah, he's I was going to jump in and say that the John Lithgow arc is the only bit of Dexter I have yeah. ever seen in my life. Can't, for the life of me, remember why I just watched the John Lithgow <laughs> arc in Dexter. Because but John Lithgow needs to be in everything. I yeah. love John Lithgow, I guess. Um, but I have seen that, and it was really good television. Yeah. That's good stuff. And I am going back, though. I'm going to... I'm gonna, I'm going. I'm, I'm going to go back and uh, watch Twin Peaks, and I feel like Twin Peaks needs to have a revival, even though I guess it technically had one. It's like didn't it That's just true, have one? That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, know. I know, but uh, I only know I the never... Psych episode that is a spoof of yes. Twin Peaks, which is great, <laughs> which is a fantastic episode. And Dual Spires. I think, Spires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Twin Peaks is one of those things that you almost. It's it's almost that you had to be there, sort of a sort of a thing. You had to be there in the early '90s when there were just three. There was there was television and some cable, but television was just three channels. And everybody watched the same. thing. Everybody watched those them. three channels, and on one of them, for whatever reason, they <laughs> saw fit just to give David Lynch a television show. And we just keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just keeps getting weirder. I and yeah, I, I'll always th- I'll always remember that as seeming really almost surreal almost surreal so uh, I'm, I'm I 
have watched the first two seasons and I have sat out on the on the. Uh, I guess it's the third season, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. the Netflix season. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go back and uh, rewatch the originals so that I can take in the the that 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 third season. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, those are our picks for thrillers. Do we want to tell everybody what's up for the month of uh, February? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So in February, we're going to be looking at you might have guessed it, romance. Um, so you can get your picks. Uh, uh, ready ahead of time I would invite anyone who's interested in uh, in reading along in, with us in reading along with us come on into the into the branch we have a calendar it'll should I can I go through the calendar yeah please yeah, do yeah, go okay. ahead so, so February's romance February we're gonna, we'll be doing romance in March this will be science fiction mysteries are for April April's favorite. It's my favorite. This month, this my birth month. We get to do my favorite. In May, we're looking at we're looking at westerns. Then in June, we're going to be doing inspirational fiction. July will be urban fiction and fantasy in August. Then September, we're going to do young adult. Now we're gonna we have a young adult pick just every month, and and young adult is one of those. It's not necessarily a genre as much as it is a take on 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 every genre. Yeah. But we do want to we did want to give it its own month. Then uh, in October, we're going to do horror. Historical fiction will be November, and by December, we'll all be exhausted, and so we'll, we'll want to do graphic novels. Nice. With pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, we'll, and we'll go in thinking that that'll make it easy, and then we'll, we'll uh, pick Fun Home or something. Yeah, I was going to say, there's some challenging <laughs> stuff exactly, out there. Exactly, right. <laughs> so... Uh, Every, anyone listening to this, if you don't normally come into to Northside, come on by and uh, pick up a calendar, talk with us. We're, we're, we're going to try to have um, book recommendations out all through the year. Uh, and if you have, you know, if, 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 if a month comes up where there's something that you're passionate about, come in and talk with us about it. And we will... We'll put your recommendation out. This this is a chance for you to... Yeah, you can contact us on the website as well. Exactly um, right. There's an option to contact us, and I think there's even one for specific locations. So you can shoot one to Northside. All of those go right to me um, and tell me what you like and say, in you know, in Mystery Month, if you don't talk about X, I will riot. <laughs> Something along those lines. We do not want to cause the the lone book riot of That's right. Lexington history. That's 2019. Right. That's right. Or if there's just something that you're really passionate about and you think that one of us should read and talk yeah, about. Absolutely. Like, yeah, we, we would love some new recommendations. Like I said, this is, thrillers are not my, my typical genre that I read in. Um, and there's a lot of stuff on here that I don't typically stray into. So. Well, and that's kind of the point is, I mean, for me, I mostly read thrillers or mysteries. Yeah. But it's amazing, as I started doing this, how many things have elements of mysteries that I like yeah. but are in a science fiction setting or a romance setting. So I'm, I'm sampling the water. Yeah, absolutely. It's a chance to try something new. And we're not just putting out staff picks. We're going we're gonna to be looking. If, if you come in and if, you, if you've read something and you're really passionate about it, we'll give you a bookmark. You fill out the bookmark. You, you put a blurb on there, and you give a recommendation to another reader. This is really about sharing, sharing the stories that we're passionate about with, with, with the rest of the community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So come back in February and join us as we talk about romance. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks.